Welcome back to the South Harbor Church Podcast. South Harbor is a part of the Harbor Churches, which exist to help people find their way back to God. This week, Pastor Tim brings us a message where we look at what it means to send our roots deep. As always, for more information about how you can become a part of the South Harbor Church community, stick around after the message. And now, let's head over to Pastor Tim. Uh, If I have yet to meet you, my name is Tim, and uh, I'm grateful that you're with us this morning. I I mean it when I say that uh, we're grateful for the sunshine, aren't we? Like it... It's nice. Uh, it's nice. Uh, grateful you're here. Uh, if, you're, if it's your very first time here, one of the things that we are committed to as a church, it's important for you to know this. Uh, one of the things we're committed to is we love the opportunity to gather on a Sunday. This is always good news for us uh, to, to be able to remind each other of um, that true things are true. And uh, when there's, we're surrounded by a barrage of lies, uh, either things that we just kind of internalize and feel or things that were said about us or to us. Uh, it's important that we're, we gather again with the body of Christ, the church, and we're, we're, we remind each other of, of what the ultimate win is. Uh, but, but one of the things we've said since day one is uh, this is not the point. Uh, just the gathering itself is not the point of the church. The church exists to be the balm for our world. And, uh, and so thank you all. Uh, and if you're new with us, you should know this. Uh, this church uh, has been in our schools and has been, I mean, many of you lead businesses and are trying to be good Christian business leaders, or you're in the medical field and you're physically caring for people in their moments of, of deepest physical pain and emotional pain. Uh, you're in the school systems, you're at home kind of caring for little ones. Uh, I, I'm really proud of our church for that. And so um, if you're new with us, we would love to invite you into that. Uh, I'd love for you to be part of our community. We'd love to get to know you. Uh, and so at some point in the near future, would uh, come say hello and maybe we can grab coffee or something. Um, but this morning we got a, a message. If you've got your Bible, we're going to be in Jeremiah 17 this morning. Jeremiah chapter 17. This is uh, today we're in the second to last week of a series that we've called Undivided. Uh, throughout the series, we've been, uh, lo- we've been talking about who we are and how we live as followers of Jesus. Um, it's possible that we go through life and we can live these divided lives, a work life, a social life, our school life, our, our home life, and our spirit, quote-unquote spiritual life. So our spiritual life is not if it doesn't have an impact on all of the other things. We can live these fractured lives, and yet, as, as followers of Jesus, we want to be consistent. We want to have integrity and character. And so we've been trying to ask the question, how do we do that? Uh, we've said, uh, several weeks ago now, we've said that it's not so much about where you work that matters. It's about the kind of person you show up when you go to that work. Uh, it's not so much about where you live as it is kind of how do you show up as a, as a follower of Christ in your neighborhood to your neighbors? Uh, it's, we want to be the kinds of people uh, who are consistently growing in our faith. And I say all this, uh, next week will be a biggie. So next week, uh, you're going to feel the anxiety rise in you even as I say this. Next week, we're going to talk about politics and government and how is it when it comes to how we think about the civic world, like politics, candidates, Democrats, Republicans. Uh, How is it that we do that as followers of Christ? Because 
how does our citizenship as a United States resident, uh, how does that affect uh, how we think of our faith, and how does our faith affect how we think of that? So we're going to talk about some stuff that's really difficult, and before we get there uh, this morning, I just want to give, because those are anxiety-inducing conversations. Uh, they, I'm sure they've caused some things in your families, if your family's like anyone else's family. Uh, it, it can be hard, and especially when you feel like maybe I'm all alone in how I think about this issue. That can be a tough spot to be, or, um, or there's something about you that if, they were to, if, if we were to find out about it, we're not going to like you, and, and carrying some of that. Um, how do we live as Christ followers then? How do we live with integrity in that? Uh, so today I want to talk about that before, just kind of seed the ground for the conversation on, on government and politics, but really want to ask the question this morning, how do we, how do we uh, stay grounded or rooted when everything around us feels like it's shaking, how do we stay consistent, hold integrity when the storms of life come our way? There are a number of metaphors in our Bible that are helpful with this. I want to give you a picture this morning, actually three pictures uh, that I have found personally to be really helpful. I want to bring you to Israel with me this morning. Uh, and so if, at some point, I'd love to actually bring you to Israel. Now is not a great time to go to Israel, but I'd love to bring you to Israel. But today, I'm going to try to do it with the screens, and I want to give you three pictures of three trees. I don't know what you're thinking. That sounds like the most boring thing in the world. Trees, really? I promise you, uh, these three trees show up throughout your Bible. You probably read right over them. Uh, but my hope is to change that this morning. Uh, these three trees are throughout our scriptures, and they're often used by the authors of the scripture to tell a deeper story. Uh, the, the name of the tree is given because they're, they're trying to help us point to some deeper truth that for me, uh, once you see them, you're going to see them everywhere in your Bible, and hopefully uh, the image itself will be helpful for you as you think through, especially when you're in those tough seasons. Um, three trees. Uh, first tree uh, I'm going to call this one the deeply rooted tree. The other ones will have names of the trees, but this is, I'm just going to call this the deeply rooted tree. Uh, this tree is talked about in Psalm 1 quite famously. And in Jeremiah chapter 17, uh, hear these words from Jeremiah chapter 17, beginning in verse 5. This is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. That person will be like a Bush in the wastelands. They will not see prosperity when it comes. It will dwell, they will dwell in the parched places of the desert in a salt land where no one lives. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They'll be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when the heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Powerful metaphor, powerful image, rooted in a tree. Uh, Jer- Jeremiah talks about two kinds of people. Uh, some, he says, uh, are kind of like a bush. Um, let me show you. He refers to the bush in the desert. You're going to find these everywhere when you go to Israel. We drive on a long drive, day two in our trip. We'll do a long drive through the desert, and you're just going to see these everywhere. The thing about this bush is uh, it grows in the desert, um, but it, it kind of requires some moisture in the air. Uh, there's, it has a very shallow root system. In fact, it's so shallow that if you were to walk up and kick it, it's just going to plop over. Remember the old westerns where you see the tumbleweeds? 
these kinds of bushes. They, they have very thin, shallow roots. Most of the bush you see is above the ground. It'll pull the moisture out of the air. But if there is no moisture, if it's a hard year, if it's a, if it's a drought, uh, there's not enough moisture to keep this thing alive. And because the roots aren't very deep, the bush itself kind of becomes like a tumbleweed. It just it uproots. As soon as life becomes difficult, circumstances change. The bush in the desert is, it does not stand a chance. So Jeremiah talks about that. He says, some people are like that. Their whole lives is above the ground and everything about them you can see. But there's no depth to them. There's no substance to them. There's no character to them. There's no integrity to them. They're like a bush. They grow in the desert, but as soon as it gets hot, they don't stand a chance. And then he says there's, there's other people who are like a tree. This is the invitation for us. Like a tree planted by streams of water. Let me take you to one of my favorite spots in Israel. Uh, this is a place called Ein Avdat. Uh, Ein Avdat on a map. Computer crashed. Ein Avdat on a map. Okay, this is Israel. Okay, so down here. This is, by the way, the Gaza Strip. It's way down here. Uh, this is the bottom of Israel. Sea of Galilee. Dead Sea is right where my knuckles are. Ein Avdat is here. Kind of my ring finger uh, knuckle. Um, that's Ein Avdat. Ein Avdat. Uh, the word Ein literally means, so when, when I take you to Ein Avdat, what will happen? Oh, there you go. That's better than my hand. Uh, <laughs> When, when we take you to Ein Avdat, the first thing you're going to notice is we'll, we have to drive a ways. It's like a two-hour drive from the Dead Sea, so this, the, this body of water here. We drive for like two hours, two and a half hours into the desert, and uh, it's, it gets more desolate and more deserted. It becomes more brown and dry the further you go south. Uh, this is a picture of Ein Avdat. That's the desert. Um, and then what we do with our bus is we will turn a corner and start uh, snake pathing it down into what is essentially a canyon. And uh, let me show you an aerial view of this canyon. And one of the things you'll notice is growing at the base of the canyon are all of these trees. It's, it's quite impressive when you've seen no trees for a while and all of a sudden now you see all of these trees. The word Ein from Ein Avdat means spring. There's a natural spring uh, that feeds a river that runs through the base of this canyon. And so I love to take our group down here and walk along this river. Now, uh, natural running water is it's in our Bible. It's a metaphor in our Bible. Uh, the word in Hebrew for this water is mayim haim. Mayim haim in English means living water. Uh, the Bible will often differentiate between dangerous water or standing water and living water. And living water is always a picture of God. That's how the authors of our scriptures use living water. Uh, one of the, it, our baptism image when we baptize is often connected to, we are baptizing into the source of living water. Jeremiah himself, in just a few verses, will say, uh, Lord, you are the hope of Israel. All who forsake you will be put to shame. Those who turn away from you will be written in the dust because they have forsaken the Lord, the spring of Maim Chaim, the spring of living water. Do you see the picture? Do you, see, do you catch the metaphor? God is like living water. God is the spring. If we put our roots in him, especially if we put our roots deep in him, 
we can thrive even in a desert land. The people of God, if we put our roots in him, can thrive even in a desert land. Now, um, there, is, there are a handful of trees at Ayanavdat that I especially love. So, okay, we, we, we'll drive down the canyon, we'll walk along the spring, and then we give our group an option. Some of you, you should turn back and go on the bus. We're about to hike. Uh, so some will turn and they'll go back to the bus. That's okay. Uh, they've got a beautiful view back because they get to walk along the river. For those whose feet have a little bit of energy left in them, we're going to go up. And, uh, and what we'll do with our group is we'll begin hiking up the canyon. I know it looks more intimidating than it is. It's just one step at a time, always. Uh, and eventually you'll see a grove of trees. So there's some trees at the base, and you'll see another grove of trees. And what I love to do with our group is have them sit on, under this grove of trees. And uh, you can see it from the picture. I love to ask the question, how do these trees grow? We're uh, 10 flights of stairs up. We're solid rock. How do these trees grow? Now, as you're walking along going up, I don't have a great picture of this, but as we're walking up, you will notice that there are, the root system for these trees snakes down the side of the cliff and will go all the way down into the river. Some of them, a hundred feet root system going down, snaking along the side of a canyon, and they can survive. This, for me, has become a picture I come to often uh, for the kind of life I want to live. More than anything else, and I think this is probably true for you, I want to be so hungry for God, so passionate for God, that I am willing to put down the deep roots. Now, is this easy? No, most people are going to be bushes because to be a bush is a lot easier. You live most of your life above ground. Everyone sees who you are. You don't need a lot of roots as long as you pull some moisture out of the air and you can survive off of the moisture in the air. But as soon as life gets hard, the bush in the wasteland does not survive. But the deeply rooted tree can survive on, a, on sheer rock because it's put its roots down into the source of living water. More than anything else, uh, I want to be this kind of person. And I, I imagine you do too. That's why you're here, to be the deeply rooted kind of person who don't just live life all on the surface, but have some roots. Now, is this hard work? Absolutely. Does this just happen to you? Does it just all of a sudden you wake up one day and now you have deep roots? It does not. It takes intention. It takes effort. It's not as simple. We've made it simple in the American church has made it. Well, uh, if you want to just the wall shut our eyes and you raise your hand and now everything's going to be changed. That's the first step. But to become the kind of person who's got deep roots requires a set of practices. It requires a discipline. The word disciple and the word discipline share the same root. It's hard work. So why do it? Second tree. Uh, the second tree that I love uh, that I want to introduce you to, this one is throughout our Bible, is known as the olive tree. <clears throat> the olive tree. Uh, the olive tree. Here's a picture of an olive tree. This is one of the oldest things, living things in all of Israel. Uh, there's a great olive tree grove at Mount Carmel, the um, Elijah story. Uh, there's a great olive tree grove there. This one is uh, it's, it's a lot prettier than it probably would have been at Jesus' time, but it's in uh, what is known as, the, as a region of Gethsemane, where Jesus is uh, crying out to his father, let the cup pass, let the cup pass. 
Now, uh, this is one of the oldest tree, trees, but not this. Uh, one of the things, um, so let me ask this question. How do we know how old a tree is? You count the rings. Yes. That is true with almost every kind of tree except for the olive tree. The olive tree grows hollow in the middle. There are no rings. You can't count the rings. So how do we know how old an olive tree is? We have to look at the root system of an olive tree. Because what will happen with an olive tree is this part will fall off. As uh, the Romans come in, they lay siege to Israel. They uh, tear down the trees. They burn the trees. The olive tree can be completely destroyed on the surface. Completely destroyed. Can be left to a stump. And you can look at the thing and say, it's dead. There's no way this thing comes back from this. But if the root system is strong, what will happen to the olive tree is all of a sudden you can look at this desolate waste. If there was a fire not too long ago and uh, one of the major olive groves was burned down, they're not rototillering it up and they're waiting. They're waiting. Because what will happen is those stumps will quickly begin uh, what in the Bible is known as a netzer. Netzer. A shoot will rise up out of the stump. New growth will rise up out of the stump like this, a shoot. That language may sound familiar because when the Old Testament prophets are talking to the Israelites who have just been conquered, it looks hopeless to them. Life could not be any more scary. Uh, Life could not be any more, um, God, where are you? We've been up, like, like, Everything we knew has been uprooted. It's gone. It looks like it's been leveled. They say, but don't worry, the root system of Israel is strong. The root system strong. And then there's this prophecy that's spoken to these people. Isaiah 11. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. Jesse being whose dad? David. David uh, will then have a son who has a son who has a son who has a son who has a son. And eventually you have... Jesus, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse, and his roots, a branch, will bear fruit. Jesus is referred to, referred to as a shoot. Jesus will then later grow up in a city called Nazareth. Only in Hebrew you say it, Netzer Etz, or Shootville. He grows up in Shootville. Uh, when it looked like there was no hope. This is, so when our, when our biblical authors are trying to tell you what the Messiah is going to do, when it looks like there is no hope, they could just say, don't worry, the Messiah is coming. But instead, they choose to say, look at the olive tree. Look at the olive tree. When it looks like the olive tree is gone, toast, cannot come back from this, wait, a shoot will rise. Uh, the author Habakkuk um, Minor prophet, smaller prophet, uh, writes smaller, I should say. Uh, he lived a huge life. Uh, he's writing about the Babylonians, this, this foreign empire who's going to lay waste to Israel. He's got a, a list of prayers uh, that he records in the book Habakkuk. And Habakkuk, uh, part of this is Habakkuk's trying to find an image to connect to the people to say, this is what it feels like, but let me remind you of the kind of God you serve. This is what Habakkuk says. I heard about the Babylonians, and my heart pounded. 
My lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled. Yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no fruit, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. Let me show you that last line because that's why... I find this so powerful. Let me show you the last line broken down in Hebrew. Literally, it reads, and yet I, in Yahweh, will rejoice. What is our root system to Habakkuk? When it looks like everything's being leveled, when everything feels hopeless, we have roots in something so much bigger. And it's because we have roots in God, we'll be okay. Uh, the desert often catches us out of nowhere. Um, many of you are sadly way too familiar with this. Um, but we tend to not be able to plan for the desert. We tend to, uh, not, see, or we tend to not see it coming, at least. Uh, when the desert hits us, it's usually a, it's a phone call. And on the other side of the phone call, you hear the words, I'm so sorry to say this, but there has been an accident. And immediately... You're in the desert. Or um, it's a consultation with the doctor, and it's just a normal doctor's visit, and the doctor calls you back and says, I have some difficult news for you. And immediately, you're in the desert. Uh, Or it's a disagreement that turns to an argument, that turns to a fight, and somewhere in that fight, words are spoken, and at some point, one of you says, I don't want to be in this relationship anymore. And you're in the desert. Habakkuk, and really throughout the scripture, says when you find yourself in that spot, remember the olive tree. Remember the olive tree. Remember that God can cause new growth to come even when on the surface it looks like everything's gone. Now you cannot... You often cannot see it coming. You cannot see the desert coming. Uh, there's, um, for many of us, it catches us off guard. But you can prepare for it. There are practices, disciplines, uh, things you can do so that when you find yourself with the desert thrust upon you, you're the kind of person who has rooted yourself. You can go on. There's hope. Brings us to a third tree, last tree. Uh, this is one of my favorite of all. This is uh, a ta- it's known as a tamarisk tree. This might be my favorite tree in Israel, this, this tamarisk tree. Uh, shows up just a few times in our Bibles. Uh, but often when the author is referring to the tamarisk tree, they don't tell you the story behind the tamarisk tree. They assume you know because they're writing first and foremost not to us but to their audience, and their audience knows the tamarisk tree. The tamarisk tree holds all of this symbolism to the, to the Jewish people because of what it is. Okay, I got to take you back to Ayin Avdat. Remember Ayin Avdat? Right there? Where my callus is. <laughs> Ayin Avdat. Uh, Ayin Avdat, middle of the desert. Uh, one of the things I love, we, we uh, get off the bus, we begin hiking, and uh, you know, it's right at the point where people are starting to get sweaty. It's really hot in the desert. Shocker. Uh, and it's right when we're all starting to get a little bit sweaty in Ayin Avdat that I'll say, okay, let's do some teaching. And uh, we'll stop by this tree. And the whole group will sit in the shade. There's 50 people in this right here. 
I have to stand in the sun. But they get to sit in the shade of the tamarisk tree, 50 people under one, uh, under one tree. And it's shade. And in the desert, shade is life. And not just any shade. We're, we're told, I'm not the expert in this, but is it a horticulturist? Is that a tree person? Arbor, whatever it is. Tree people will tell us that the shade of a tamarisk tree is actually cooler than most shade because it will pull moisture from the air and then kind of recycle it in this natural air conditioning. So the shade of a tamarisk tree is 15 degrees cooler than if you're standing here in the, in the blazing sun. Uh, this is a tamarisk tree. The, the Bedouins, those who live in this region still, refer to the tamarisk tree as a rare gift. Here's the thing with a tamarisk tree, though. It is slow growing. It takes three generations for the tamarisk tree to produce this kind of shade. Three gener- Let me say that again. It takes three generations for a tamarisk tree to reach full size. You do not plant a tamarisk tree for you. You plant a tamarisk tree for your grandchildren. And the other thing with a tamarisk tree is you have to carefully attend it in the desert. Uh, there's not, it needs water. And so if you plant a tree, you've got to stick with that tree. You've got to make sure the tree is cared for. Now, in Genesis 21, there's a story in our Bibles. Again, it's easy to read over the story. Uh, here's the background of the story. There's a man named Abraham. Abraham has been invited by God to trust him. He, God wants to enter into a covenant with Abraham. Abraham is really struggling to trust God, not with everything. So you have all these moments where he like pawns his wife off on a king and then pawns his wife off again because he can't quite trust God. Mostly because God has promised him that he's going to give him children, and Abraham is 100 years old. And so Abraham the whole time is thinking, God, I don't know if I can trust you with this. Uh, Then finally there's this moment where God meets him and says, okay, I want you to trust me. If you trust me, I'll be your God. I'll give you kids. And then we're told this. Abraham planted a tamarisk tree in Beersheba, and there he called on the name of the Lord, the eternal God. And Abraham stayed in the land of the Philistines a long time. Does Abraham trust him? Now, if you just read the story, you say, I don't know. The the passage doesn't tell us if Abraham ever trusts God. But knowing what the tamarisk tree is, does Abraham trust God? Yes, he plants a tree, not for himself, but for his grandkids. And then he stays there to attend to that tree. It's his way of saying, God, I believe you're going to give me grandkids. Here's a tamarisk tree in uh, Beersheba. (laughs) I can't do it on this one. Uh, I'll explain it, though. Beersheba is desert. There's not many trees. Uh, The tamarisk tree in Beersheba requires constant, constant work. Uh, To plant a tamarisk tree is more than just to believe that God is good. To plant a tamarisk tree is to believe that God is not just good for you. God is good news for your grandkids. The rabbis have a saying that I think about often. Um, They'll ask this saying to their, or they'll ask this question to their students. How many tamarisk trees did you plant today? How many things did you do today that will live on after you? How many things did you do today that even when you die and everyone's forgotten you, you planted something that will give shade to a future generation? 
How many things did you do today that are bigger than yourself? Something that will have eternal ripples. This is the kind of life I so badly want to live. Um, these, tree tell, these trees tell a story of what my heart longs for and what I want to give my life to. In a world of shallow, we can put down deep roots. We can. I want to be prepared for the moment when the desert hits. Have, uh, heaven forbid it. Out of nowhere, it all comes crumbling down. And I find myself in the middle of a desert. I want to live so intentionally that when that moment comes, I have deep roots, I have old roots in something bigger than me that can grow something that will last beyond me. I don't think this just happens. I love the Rocky movies. Transitions are overrated. We said this last week, uh, two weeks ago. I love the Rocky movies. Uh, they all are the same, the same formula. Rocky's got an opponent. He's got to fight this opponent. And the movies end with Rocky has a boxing match against this opponent. But there's a moment in the Rocky movies that everyone's, it's everyone's favorite part of the Rocky movies. Uh, usually it's a short moment. Uh, it's a montage set to a power ballad from the 80s, some awesome power ballad from the 80s. And the power ballad behind the scenes, you're seeing all the work Rocky has to put in for the fight that's coming up. All of the training he's got to put in. My favorite is Rocky Four, by the way, of the training sequences. Uh, and... You recognize that without that four-minute montage, Rocky doesn't stand a chance against his opponents. I think most of life is the Rocky montage. Most of life, we put in the work to put down deep roots. Uh, I want that for you. I want that for us. Um, I Honestly, I could care less how big our church is. I could care less. I could care less about racking up the Good sermon, Tim's. That's not very interesting to me. Um, or the, the butts and bucks. You've heard of that measurement? Uh, I just feel like it's also shallow. What I want for us is to be a community who is deeply rooted. Uh, last week I wasn't here because I was in Mexico sitting on a beach. I know my mahogany tan is obvious. It's, I was in Mexico last week. Uh, <laughs> I had the opportunity uh, to read a book while I was in Mexico that I highly recommend to anyone who has an opportunity to read uh, or listen to the audiobook. Um, it's called Practicing the Way by John Mark Comer. Uh, in the book, uh, he, this just breathed life into me last week, so let me just read you his words. He says, The deeply rooted life in Jesus is possible, all of it, but it's not inevitable. It won't just happen by chance. There are no accidental saints. You can't just slip your hand up at the end of a sermon. It's a high bar of entry. It will require you to reorder your entire life around following Jesus as your undisputed top priority over your job, your money, your reputation, over everything. Yet, all of these things will find their rightful place once integrated into a life of apprenticeship or discipleship. This life can be your life. So how do we do it? Uh, in two weeks, so next week we'll talk government, politics, yay. Uh, and then in two weeks, we want to spend our whole season leading up to Easter talking about how. How do we put down the roots? What are the practices, the really practical practices we can put down to be people of substance and depth? How do we do it? But for today, uh, yeah, I think it's good enough, it's simple enough just to say to God, God, I really want that. 
I want that for my, my family. I want that for my kids. I want that for my grandkids. God, I want to be somebody who puts down deep roots. I think that is where it starts. Would you join me in a word of prayer? Lord, would you make us mature? Would you make us deep? Would we be so rooted in you, Jesus, that we can provide shade to a world who is hurting? Uh, Lord, would we be the kinds of people that, uh, again, Lord, heaven forbid, uh, but please, uh, Lord, would you keep the desert at bay, but when the desert comes, and we know, Lord, it most likely will come for us, would we be the kind of people who go on because we are rooted by living water? Uh, Jesus, we love you, and we pray this in your name. And everybody said, amen. For more information about how you can become a part of the South Harbor Church community, find us on the web at www.southharbor.org or find us on Facebook and Instagram at South Harbor Church. On Sunday mornings, you can find our service streamed live at 9 a.m. on our Facebook page. And so once again, from all of us here at South Harbor and the Harbor Churches, we want to wish you a blessed week.